Welcome to the Adult Candy Podcast. I'm Miss Crystal, your host and idea slinger. What is adult candy about? Well, it's dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults, which, let's be honest, is what we all want more of anyway. This exploration of mindful indulgence is in conversations with a very delicious mix of rebels, noted creatives, and sex-positive advocates of an imaginative variety. We dig into process and tools for facing fears and chasing dreams and keeping the magic in running the business of creative sexy cool. While this is absolutely going to be explicit with adult content and bursting with very sexy, the mission here is about embracing and accepting pleasure and desire, which is an internal process. And that is the foundation for any type of meaningful intimacy, passion, or sexual prowess. So buckle up or unbuckle or buckle down because in these very bizarro times, we absolutely can't go back. We go through. There we go. Um, okay, so it is working. Uh, so this is Crystal Clear and we're doing our adult candy podcast, which is um, <clears throat> dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults. And I'm here with uh, Maurizio and uh, I'm sorry, what, let me, Maurizio Garcia. Yes. And um, I met you at the Witches Confluence in San Francisco, and you did a talk about fragrance. And it was, to be completely frank, electrifying. And it was so clear to me how passionate you were about fragrance. And I would love for you to sort of unpack your own experience of falling in love with fragrance and how you are accessing your creative juices through fragrance. Yeah, that's, uh, that was a really, really fun talk. Um, I was pretty stoked to be able to speak to so many people at one time about something that is, uh, you know, occult fragrance is something that's hyper niche. And so for that many people to be interested in it was pretty cool. Um, I would say that my obsession with scent really became um, integral to my obsession with plants. Um, ever since I was a, a really small child, I loved to play with plants. I loved smelling flowers and picking them and hanging out in my grandmother's garden where she grew jasmine and mints and all kinds of stuff. And um, that really never left me. Um, I can't say that I've ever, it's ever gone on a little hiatus or anything. I um, read everything I could about um, plants and herbalism and medicine and food and horticulture and agriculture that I could at uh, my local libraries. Um, I apprenticed with an herbalist when I was 17 um, through my last year of high school. Um, I ended up minoring in alternative health practices um, with an emphasis on research um, in addition to my majors in journalism and graphic design. Um, I got into the natural skincare channel um, where I worked for some uh, major retailers. Um, 
in uh, beauty buying, and then I worked for an indie boutique here um, in San Francisco as their buyer, um, and that was the Scarlet Sage Herb Company, which was the main is the main sponsor of the Modern Witches Confluence here in San Francisco. Um, and with them, I um, worked on product development because I actually did launch um, my own small skincare line sometime before. And I was introduced to actually the work of Mandy Aftel, who is a, she's kind of the queen of natural perfumery. If it wasn't for her, a lot of us wouldn't have even been exposed to fragrance. Um, a dear friend of mine is one of her students and she insisted that I read her mentor's books. And so I did. And I kind of then just fell through the rabbit hole. I was already obsessed with essential oils and botanical extracts, but uh, fragrance is a whole new thing. And I realized that I could um, explore a whole other dimension, an invisible dimension to plants and to our senses and to applying kind of some of these concepts that I've been exploring um, using other types of extracts in a much more full way. Um, that eventually led to my um, uh, delving into fine fragrance, working um, part-time at Tiger Lily Perfumery, which is um, really San Francisco's premier boutique for independent fragrances. It's the only boutique in the United States that specializes in, in exclusively independent fragrances from all over the world. Um, and then really there are only about um, eight niche boutiques total in the United States, really. Um, I started working for um, them and their parent company, Ministry of Scent, in product development, and that's what I do full-time now. So I do uh, fragrance development um, really from fragrance formulation to um, full turnkey packaging development and production for all kinds of brands, um, spas. Um, we are, we're working with a musical artist, um, environmental sense. So we kind of do the whole, the whole thing. Um, so I feel like my, my product development experience has definitely come full, full cycle. And now I'm completely immersed in fragrance. Um, the work that I do for the, for things like the Witches Confluence is more my continued obsession with the esoteric aspects of plants and um, their energetic properties and how those can be directed and shaped using the aromatic molecules that make up their scents as well as um, the synthetic materials that we have available to us in the broader fragrance industry. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> um, no, that's exactly why I, your talk was so electrifying, is that it's um, your background is so in-depth that, you know, you have very full answers, um, which is great. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's unpack some of that. Um, yes, definitely. One of the things that I like to, um, to ask creatives who are actually in their field and like living the dream is how do they maintain the juice when you're living in a dream and you're doing your dream job and uh you know as with anything it becomes a job and you have to go to work and you're passionate about it but also where how do you maintain your own creative inspirations that you sneak away just for yourself as opposed to for your clients as your day job? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that it definitely helps um, for me to know that there is a pretty distinct separation between the technical work that I do from my full-time job, um, which is a lot. We have a lot of clients. We do a lot of events as well. We're 
actually launching our own um, fragrances in the new year. Um, but it is very, um, you know, it's Halloween. It's very mortal. Um, I, we're not necessarily exploring the energetic properties of the materials that we're working with. We're not thinking about plant spirits or, you know, um, lineages um, in terms of like esoteric or spiritual work. Um, and so my, the fact that there is a kind of a night and a day to this full world that I'm doing mm. is definitely really helpful. Mm. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not talking to my clients about how Atlas cedar is some ancient wood that's been used in cultures across the world for its like solar alignment. It's that's not really what I'm doing at all with my clients, but it's something that I'm thinking about constantly. And the introduction of new materials, um, both natural and man-made in the industry right now is also really exciting. So I can think about how when I'm evaluating these materials for use with our clients, I'm also thinking about how I can use them in my own practice or in my own work or um, in my, my own more private explorations. Um, in, in thinking about uh, occultism and fragrance, that's not something people typically associate, even though there's nothing more witchy than the power of scent, right? To just mm -hmm. transform yeah. and inspire and, and, and give totally new ideas to something or to associate with something. What are some of the most powerful, um, uh, f fragrances that are associated with the occult that you would say these are the building blocks to um, accessing one's deeper spiritual connection or their sensuality or their creativity? Um, I really love that question. I think that maybe even some of the most um, commonly used materials are really, really special. We, you know, you hear people that are tired of smelling roses or <laughs> not really into jasmines or they're not super into like evergreen notes and fragrances, but these are some of the most powerful botanicals that we have available to us in herbalism, in aromatherapy, in witchcraft, and in fragrance. They're cornerstone to all four of these worlds. Um, rose is this, you know, queen it's queen of the flowers it's queen of fragrance it's this super ancient botanical that has taken countless shapes since we've started working with it as a species um it rules secrets of resurrection those uh killing frosts that lay those canes bare and then it blooms again um it has strong associations with mourning but also with powers over the dead it's comforting it's we all are familiar with its amorous properties um jasmine who hasn't walked by a jasmine bush at night and just been completely intoxicated and transported by that super narcotic scent. Um, we can extract from those botanicals, we can reconstruct their scent with man-made molecules. And so I think that exploring your relationship with these common materials is not as difficult to do as if you were, you know, playing with some really kind of weird abstract stuff. Um, but also really kind of, they lend themselves to being explored. They lend themselves to, um, to experiencing them and really meditating on what they conjure within ourselves, according to our memories or our emotional associations with them, but also what we can learn from them. Um, they're, you know, really fragrant. And so in their own way, they're really vocal. How do you suggest or how do you personally really 
deepen your connection and knowledge of the fragrance in this sort of um, esoteric sort of way? Like, how, like uh, you know, I uh, how do you sit with a fragrance or a plant and really open yourself up to it? Is there is are there methods that you have learned in your many years of research? Yeah, um, one of the very common methods of getting to know um, a botanical on a spiritual level is by experiencing it in all its forms. And so frequently um, occult herbalists or witches or practitioners or whatever it is that you would like to call them, what they'll do is they'll pick a particular plant for a fairly extended period of time and, you know, like roses, you know, we're just going to go back to rose for, for some reason today. And, um, well, it is the queen. <laughs> and so we could take the petals and we can make a tea out of them. We can do an oil infusion that we then put on, we, you know, rub on our bodies. We can, um, take the leaves and do washes with them. We can boil them. We can infuse them into cold water. We can, um, steam distill them. We can take the roots and the canes and experience them in these same ways, obviously consuming herbs um, that are safe to consume or for consumption um, and using the other parts that are not so safe in other ways to really get to know the entire entire part of this plant. And by anointing yourself with them or ingesting these um, extractions, you are really making that plant a part of yourself. And if your you know, self-awareness and that inner silence is something that we cultivate as practitioners of these spiritual practices or spiritual traditions and so really um witnessing that shift within yourself and around you that occurs when you are experiencing these different types of extractions and so i've taken this and i have kind of pulled it a little further with the um, botanical extractions like essential oils and absolutes that take on different parts of the different aromatic compounds from the plant. They extract different compounds from the plant. So there's differences in those already. But then we also understand what the aromatic molecules that make up the smell of a rose around the rose, but also the molecules that make up the essential oils. And so as perfumers, we have the technical ability to reconstruct these things. And so by working at reconstructing them and noticing how the energies might be different or how you can manipulate those energies by working with different aspects of the smell, making something more more green or more rosy or more full-bodied. You can manipulate these things. And so this really full, full experience is kind of the best way for me to really get to know individual botanicals. Um, you're taking them apart in a way, but they're also, it's a mirror. They're kind of deconstructing you and really checking you out at the same time. Hmm. I love that. What has been your most profound experience with plant energy or scent? I would say that um, growing my own Datura was really cool. Um, I had always been obsessed with Datura, and um, a couple of years ago, I um, I learned that it was actually both Datura and Angel's Trumpet or Brigmancia are native to... Um, Mexico and to Central America, which is really cool because it was kind of a little bit of a, a you know, ancestral connection for me um, that I experienced. But growing my own datura, especially here in the cooler part of the Bay Area on the peninsula, was a little bit of a challenge because they like um, definitely prefer heat, so they actually do a lot better in the East Bay. But um, when that first bud started to grow, and I mean, I sat with my datura regularly, and um, when that 
first bud started to grow, I would sit with it every night and think about it constantly. And then when it bloomed and experiencing that first bloom and that scent, that slightly soapy, surprisingly citrus narcotic scent was really ethereal because I'd seen this plant grow from this tiny little little sprig into something that was was as dreamlike and lunar as something that you might see growing in the wild. It was it was even a full moon, so it was super bright. Mm-hmm. And you can see the shifting energy around the around the flower and it was like, is that are those those aromatic molecules that are coming off of it? Is it the detura? Are there spirits drawn to the detura? And so it was a really um a really intense experience that was really, really cool for me, just being having kind of watched it grow from something that was not particularly fragrant beyond being this green leafy plant to something that filled the space all around it. Hmm. What would you like? Uh, I'm curious what your reading list would be for um, someone who wants to start to learn about fragrances and um, and, and connecting and the ancestral elements of plants um, as a way of, you know, because I almost think that being connected to scent is like a form of meditation. Like it brings you yeah. very, very present. And um, I'm just, what what would you recommend? What would you say are your top five books on um, or, or resources that you use online or that really can take you to that next level? Yeah, um, for fragrance specifically, um, I believe that Mandy Aftel's um, book, Essence and Alchemy, is a really, a really easy to understand and digest and synthesize book on fragrance itself, on perfumery, um, well, specifically natural perfumery. And she, if you want to take, try, try blending, you can do that. If you um, are interested in um, really just sourcing materials, she provides, you know, she provides lists of uh, really important botanicals and perfumery. Um, so that's really, really, that's going to be a really easy to access and powerful resource. Um, in terms of um, books on more esoteric herbalism, Daniel Schulk is a really, really um, powerful author um, in terms of occult herbalism and traditional witchcraft. And he has compiled um, a lot of really, really deep um, information on um, on plants and plant spirits specifically. Um, and so he has quite a number of books. One of the more difficult to find is the Viridarium Umbris. That's a really... Um, really, really cool book. Um, there's also the 13 Pathways of Occult Herbalism, which um, will describe some of the methodologies that I talked about, but also describes the different channels, really, that you can pursue when pursuing plant knowledge. Um, Corin Boyer's uh, Plants of the Devil is a really, really cool book, especially if um, you have European heritage. Um, mm. That's a really, a really, just a really fun read, and it's pretty short. Um, and Sarah Ann Lawless is also a really, um, really great resource for traditional witchcraft and animistic, um, work. And she does work a lot with, um, with plants and she is more, um, you can really find a lot of articles written by her and interviews with her. Um, and I, and she does have an Instagram account. I believe it's, um, 
Spain folk or something along those lines, but she's also a really great um, online resource. Um, perfect. And Thank those you. Are my top, I guess those are my top four authors for people that are looking for plant stuff, plant information. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, certainly something to get started with. In thinking about your evolution um, as essentially an alchemist, which is what you are, um, how does that translate to your understanding of yourself as a sensual being and you know in being around divine feminine for yourself what is divine masculine um balance out for you as oh that's a really interesting question um i am have a ton of um ton of taurus in my chart so i am particularly venudan um and i would say that the balance of that Mm, that's a really good question. That's actually really, and it touches on a lot of, I wouldn't say that they're particularly feminine. They're maybe more forceful or more aggressive plants. And um, my fascination has always really been with these more, with the florals, with these super narcotic, spooky, like I like to call them spooky bitches. Um, <laughs> and so acknowledging that there is a resonance um, with some of these more, intense plants like say like blackthorn um which has a traditional alignment with um with the devil with the lord of the forest with um these more masculine dark um aggressive energies of purification of really intense boundaries of um both cursing and blessing um and feeling that resonance exists within myself i would say is probably um it's all, I feel like it's all resonances or, or mirrors or ghosts or however it is that you want to interpret it where these, you know, the, the truths that we're seeing within these plants are going to be casting shadows within ourselves and having the capacity to acknowledge that and to see them and to um, understand that there are positive and negative aspects to really, I suppose, this dichotomy. Um, and picking and choosing which of those positives and negatives you want to make a part of yourself. Sorry, that was a bit of a convoluted answer, but it was, it was actually a question that caught me off guard, which is not, not super easy to do, so well done. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I think that that's just this, this question that I've been asking myself a lot in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, because men do not have typical access to developing their sensual sides. Right. Yeah, in, you're right. In the in the spectrum of things, you know, sexuality is something that is a very external thing that certainly men are rewarded for and pushed towards. Mm -hmm. But you don't really fully understand sexuality until you understand your own internal sensuality, and I think that that yeah, has what fair. it's it's what's led to a lot of imbalance, certainly in what mm -hmm. I think is typically described as toxic masculinity, right? Of course. So, yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, it was an interesting question for me and uh, one that I wasn't expecting because I was really, I mean, I was um, raised pretty much in a sea of women. I ha I would say that I have, I mean, I have my mother who I love very much, but I also have a godmother who was like a second mother and an aunt who was like a third and my <laughs> grandmother who was like a fourth and I have three sisters and uh, most of my friends are women. And so it was this kind of, 
I was like, mm, that is something that I need to think about a lot more is how I feel like I'm not, I, and creativity was always something that I was encouraged to be, whether it was through writing or through speaking or through my, you know, my graphic design or painting or in, now it's perfumery. And so um, the manifestation of my inner world into the physical world was, I was encouraged to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that, I mean, that for me feels really electric to borrow your word um there is there is something magical about bringing bringing something inside into the outside world and sharing it with people um and so that that like masculine part is is really something that i'm kind of like it's there but you know have i have i ever necessarily meditated on it or thought that i needed to nourish it when i um when most of my life has been pretty focused on like the divinity of the feminine. Mm. Mm. How do you think, like in referencing, like how, what do you think would be for our male listeners out there and even exploration for yourself, what would be a way for, um, or, or what would you work with in um, accessing divine masculine through plant energy? Um, through fragrance. So the conversation around fragrance is actually a really interesting one right now, not to go on too, um, too direct a tangent, but they're um, independent perfumers um, and niche perfumery, which is the world that I exist in as opposed to the more commercial side of the fragrance industry, has really, um, I can't exactly say stop gendering fragrances, but the production of unisex scents mm. has outnumbered the production of gendered scents since 2015. Hmm. Um, and so people are, we encourage people to wear what they want, to um, think about how fragrances make them feel, how they either are physical representations of their pers- of parts of their personality or their reality shaping. They change the way that they feel on the inside and the way that they move through the world. Um, and so I would say that... Um, working with plants that might be more traditionally aligned with the masculine, um, things like cedar or things that are potentially more tied to the structure of the world as opposed to the shaping of it. Um, it's a kind of a thought that just literally popped into my head, so it might take some time for me to elaborate <laughs> on what that means. But um, it makes sense. It kind of seems to make sense. Um, mm. So scent, I would say... Um, meaning that a lot of the more solar or fraternal plants that we have that we associate with masculine aspects and acknowledging what those energies are so like cypress is a really good example cypress um has a strong alignment with site with um with saturn Mm -hmm. its power lies really um intensely in the world of the dead and protecting the dead and protecting the living from the dead but also helping the dead transition and it is um it's a masculine plant that's a masculine energy so how can we as people or as men take this grandfather energy and think about how masculine energy can be protective as opposed to being destructive or um overbearing um how can we see that there is you know old knowledge in us just like there is in these plants and how do we apply it in a way that is relevant to you know, contemporary society that isn't just some obsolete clinging to something that, you know, an identity that 
makes it so that you don't have to really think about yourself or think about your role in the world. Mm, that is interesting. And thinking about Cyprus, I actually just got back from New Orleans and we went on a tour and they were talking about um, how Cyprus was used to the point of almost extinction. Um, and so it's interesting in, in two ways that I thought about uh, what does that mean when it's like a, uh, you know, it's like this protective um, energy that is no longer available? Like what happens to a town or a city that doesn't have that level of protection in its plant energy? And also, you know, as someone who relies upon raw material, and I think you touched on this in the lecture, is like it takes, you know, two tons of rose rose petals in order to distill to this like very small amount you know how can one balance the idea of being environmentally conscious and wanting to protect the earth itself and also enjoying the uh, experience of consuming it mm -hmm. that's a really really good question um and something that um i think needs to really be um talked about a lot more um, as I mentioned in my lecture, I, um, for my own fragrance creation, I don't work with endangered species or species that are even classified as threatened um, by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature's Red List or plant savers or other reputable um, studies or um, organizations. And I think that this is um, a slightly radical stance, although I've gotten a lot of support from it. Um, even here at Tiger Lily Perfumery, we are no longer um, accepting fragrances that use endangered species or threatened species in their creation, which is a huge deal. Um, and so I think that there, um, I think that there are ways of sustainably sourcing these materials. But in the case of frankincense, you know, you can get a sustainable source of frankincense. But studies have told us that the species, um, the Bugzelli species will maybe reduce to like 10% of its numbers or some ridiculous number like that in 50 years. Mm. And that is, that's not acceptable for me. That's, that's a reason to not consume an endangered species regardless of its um, energetic properties, its magical potential, its healing potential. I think that we need to take steps to ensure the preservation of the species for the sake of itself, but also for the cultures that have built themselves around it. Um, or at least indigenously, um, to the areas in, from which it's uh, natively, you know, it's, it's native origins. Um, I am also um, not um, a, an exclusively natural perfumer um, for different reasons, including safety um, and allergenic safety on skin, um, breadth of creativity. It's an entire palette that um, we're cutting out when we're not when we're only working with natural materials but also um, something that I covered uh, in the lecture was that we as practitioners um, both perfume perfume makers and um, spiritual practitioners or magical practitioners have the ability to work with resonances and similarities and we can reconstruct the scent of cedar we can reconstruct the scent of agarwood which is all three species that are used to make agarwood essential oil or oud um, are endangered and we have the technical capabilities to reconstruct the smell of oud and so if you you know if you're only limited to your skills as a perfumer or as a practitioner to invoke the scent of oud to manifest 
all of the experiences that someone might have in association with oud, um, then why not? You know, why why use the endangered species or consume the endangered species when we have the technical ability to to not do so to preserve it? Better living through chemistry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real, real. I mean, that's exactly. Um, and there are, you know, vanilla is another perfect example. Um, mm. Who doesn't love vanilla? The main flavor component and scent component of vanilla is vanillin. Um, and vanilla is an endangered species. It's on the red list. And all, actually, all vanillas except Tahitian vanilla are on the red list. Um, so if you're going to use vanilla, use Tahitian vanilla, at least for now. Hmm. But we can extract um, the vanillin from um, paper pulp, or, which is just a byproduct of the lumber industry, which is problematic all on its own. <laughs> but it's a sustainable source of this main component of vanilla. And it's not even a petrochemical source. A lot of the times, um, uh, many synthetic materials do come um, as petrochemical end products, but this is, a, is this sourced from paper pulp. And so we can work with vanilla energy. We can have the taste of vanilla that we love without consuming this endangered species. Mm. In, in thinking about the insanity of our current state of affairs, our... I, I mean, I, I truly believe like each and every person, each and every living being creature is in a state of trauma. You know, it's PTSD all around. Um, how, wh what types of plants or fragrances um, do you think can be uh, supportive in getting grounded and, and nourished and, 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 and inspired by hope and, um, you know, uh, finding joy and finding purpose and finding meaning um, when mm -hmm. all things point to the opposite. Um, what, what would you I, recommend? Yeah, um, I would say primarily, primarily, um, it would, um, your first, the first, you know, oil or fragrance that you should reach for or look for is something that makes you feel strong within yourself. Mm. Um, I think that there's so much that tells us that we're powerless and that we, you know, that everything is outside of ourselves, that we can't possibly pull things in more positive directions. Um, I think by feeling empowered and scent has a really, really profound ability to empower, um, that's, that's key. Um, so, you know, that said, that can be different for everyone. Um, I wear green, white floors really well. Some people really love patchouli and it's their guilty pleasure. And other people like musky scents. Or some people just, you know, are like, you know what? All I really like are fresh citrusy things. And if that's what makes you feel good and if that's what makes you feel like the best version of yourself, even just when you're applying it, I think that's a huge deal. Um, that said, um, wood scents are probably going to be a little bit more structurally protective just because of their solidity. Um, jasmine has a really, really powerful ability to actually create um, a bubble in which you can kind of step back from the trauma that you're experiencing and look at it. Um, there's something about jasmine that just is so narcotic and so bewitching that it actually is really, really useful for people experiencing um, you know, emotional trauma. Um, evergreen trees are super ancient and their um, aromatic 
components are some of the most some of the oldest that we actually have um, in in the chemical kingdom in terms of aromatic molecules. And so they are going to be really protective. They'll also, um, you know, fir and pine, what what is, has a broader range of sight than these types of botanicals. Um, other uh, really protective plants might be spices or warming things. Not only do they feel, they make us feel more comfortable in our body, they're really cleansing, they're antimicrobial. Um, aromatic plants also are extremely antimicrobial, you know, rosemary, Rosemary is cleansing for space and for spirits. Um, mugwort is also really protecting, although it'll be a little less common in fragrances. It's um, something that protects us on our journeys, and it's a road opener and a protector uh, during both night travel and during the day. Um, so I think there are individual plants that we can work with, but also um, you know, empowering yourself through things that make you feel empowered is a huge deal. Mm. Uh, this is kind of seems like maybe an abstract question, but roll with it. You know, you seem so, um, grounded and so, uh, self-sufficient. I'm curious how you ask for support. Oh, that's a really, really, that's an intense question to ask someone that has a ton of tourists in their chart. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> so then maybe that's what maybe that's what it is. Uh, Taurus and Taurus rising. Um, I so my I have a pretty deep relationship with the plants that I work with, and so spiritually, I um, I do ask for support. Um, I ask for insight. I ask for the tools that I need to either move through an obstacle. You know, it's very Taurus word through as opposed to around or over, but how to move through an obstacle, how to dissolve situations around me that are, um, that are challenging, but then as like a person, as a human, you know, a human existing in society, a lot of the times it's spending time with the people that mean, that, you know, make me feel good, that, um, have a lot of meaning to me or mean a lot to me. So it might be like, making food for my family or asking my friends if they want to go out for a drink or have a happy hour or go to a happy hour if I can treat them to dinner. Um, and so it's a lot of the times it's surrounding myself with people that remind me that this, you know, there's, we can have a good time in this world despite the fact that there's so much shit that's wrong with it. Um, and it's, you know, that might sound like a little bit of a superficial answer, but again, I'm a tourist. So the food right. and the drinks and Just the give them food. comfortable bed are, <laughs> kind of what keep me sane yeah yeah uh, I think at the end of the day it's always know thyself right you know and yep but uh I I think it's interesting to ask people who are clearly really good at being productive on on their own scale I myself I'm an only child so maybe it's just like my own like asking how do other people do it exactly yeah um, yeah you know it, it, because I think that it really does help um, especially people who are exploring creativity and exploring their sensual side is really ultimately about being comfortable with vulnerability and mm -hmm. that does come from asking people and asking the things around them for um help and for comfort and for joy and that's can be very difficult to do yes especially now and it's um it's something that i think a lot of 
us have forgotten how to do or have forgotten how to acknowledge that this is what we need or that or even that this is what we're doing you know it's like i might not be texting my friend and being like you know i've had a really long day do you mind you know let's go get some margaritas it's just like i want to see you let's go get some margaritas and i you know it's not necessarily a i'm not verbalizing that that's why it is that i'm seeking out this person but it's part of it i mean obviously there nothing is nothing is super linear it's all definitely a tangle of threads but um acknowledging that allows me to acknowledge that that's what that's one of the things that helps get me through everything or through you know through life i suppose what are you most looking forward to in this holiday season and um you know, as we're coming in, I mean, we're right around to Halloween and uh, just kind of a, a thinning of the veil. How would you mm-hmm. recommend um, protection and inspiration for um, this very, uh, as you say, spooky time? Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first part, um, what I'm looking forward to, this is actually going to be the first um, Halloween and uh, the other los muertos without my father. Um, mm. He passed uh, at the beginning of this year, and so I'm, so I'm sorry. you know, I'm really looking forward to him visiting and coming by. And we're gonna on um, November second, my family and I are going to have food and dinner and a big altar with all of his favorite things, and also you know the favorite things of my other relatives that have passed. And um, I'm really looking forward to having him there and like having him. I mean, I know he's. It's one of those things, like, where, you know, your ancestors are always around you and your beloved dead are especially close. But there's something about this time of year that feels extremely important. And in a way, these spirits become even more tangible than they are, even for those of us that work with them really closely. Um, And as far as protection, um, a lot of light and welcoming your ancestors. Your ancestors are some of, you know, they're in this is a really weird way to put it, but in a way they're a huge part of your immune system, your spiritual immune system. They're always around you. They care about you. And so welcoming them them into your life or into your home or even into your limited amount of space is, um, is going to be, you know, particularly protective and comforting working with, um, with botanicals that have strong associations with protection like cypress, like evergreens, like roads are also going to be really helpful. fulfilling your, space either with the fresh plants or with their extracts or you know just fragrances that reference them as notes could be really really helpful and really useful um you know the jack-o'-lanterns were made to were originally designed to guide our ancestors to our homes but also ward away evil spirits so you know who doesn't want to carve themselves a little jack-o'-lantern that could be really (laughs) helpful as well um uh, wonderful. Uh, final question is, uh, what do you think are the best practices for welcoming in the seasons? Um, you being so much, so familiar intimately with, um, the season of, you know, of plants and how they live in these cycles. How can we better honor that? Um, I think that there are multiple multiple ways. One of them is definitely internal shifts in response to env- environmental changes. I mean, plants know when the seasons are coming, um, largely due to temperature and the movement of the sun. So 
being aware of how you are shifting internally could be really, really useful and helpful. And I think that comes hand in hand with the offerings and making offerings to spirits of space, spirits of time, the spirits of the places within which you reside, whether they're plant spirits or, you know, genius loci, um, which are spirits of place. Um, but also offerings to yourself, you know, like what makes it easier for you to transition into this cooler period or what makes it easier for you to trans- transition into warmer seasons, you know, like, uh, you know, give yourself something or make yourself foods that are particularly comfortable and nourishing. Um, that could be really helpful. Um, definitely acknowledging that you yourself are also a spirit that deserves to be, you know, have offerings made to it, you know, mm. make sacrifices to yourself. That's really important but definitely to um, to your ancestors and spirits of shift and change. Um, a lot, fortunately, we exist in a time when um, a lot of our lore has been recorded or there are people that have, have it. Um, it's their oral traditions. And if you belong to a tradition which, um, which has some sort of access to information or has the resources for information available, then tapping into them and utilizing them is going to be you know, it's going to, there's no necessarily no reason to reinvent the wheel all the time. Um, But watching, watching and observing and noticing how you feel and how things are changing um, will probably make transitions a lot easier and less abrupt. Mm, That's so good. Great advice. Wonderful. I, I, you know, (laughs) after all these years, I didn't even, I mean, Lord knows I have like, um, given myself offerings, but I've never actually thought of it as offerings to myself as a spirit. So yeah. that's, that you is feed spirits. You got to feed yourself too. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. Well, to be completely honest, I could, I could chat with you all day, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a six hour long podcast is probably not the best idea. Um, Someone would listen to it. <laughs> probably in truth, in truth. Um, but I'm sure you do have to get back. Um, so thank you so much for, uh, joining me on this pa- podcast. It was absolutely informative and, really um, uh, if you could just share, um, best ways to reach out to you, to find you for, um, your beautiful fragrances, uh, or classes that you are teaching, go ahead and do your, your self promotion here and now. Awesome. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, my, my, my account, my me account is M at M O G J R. If you are interested in the more kind of exclusively plant and fragrance stuff, you can find me at herbcraft.perfumery. I'm also on Instagram, and you're welcome to shoot me an email, mauricio at herbcraftperfumery.com. Herbcraftperfumery.com is uh, my website that I have a calendar for events and information about fragrances and just some random little things here and there. Perfect. All right. Um, Okay. I am officially stopping the interview.